As we turn to God's word again, we, let's pray. Holy Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would come in power and descend among us now, and we pray that you would speak to us that through the written word and through the spoken word, we may behold Jesus Christ, the true and living word. In his name we pray. Amen. As I say, today is Pentecost Sunday, when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit to the disciples who now would become apostles. And we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Fifty days after the Feast of the Passover and since Jesus' resurrection, he now had spent 40 days with the disciples. He had ascended back into heaven. And ten days after his ascension, the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost came to the disciples. Remember how Jesus had spent those 40 days with the disciples, proving he was truly alive, proving many things to them about his death and his resurrection, preparing them for their new calling as apostles, speaking to them about the coming of the kingdom of God, and promising them that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, promise him the gift of the Holy Spirit and power to do the work which God and he had called them to do. They had stayed put, as we remember, in Jerusalem. They'd been found praising God in the temple and they had been praying in the upper room. And so on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to them. Now, the Feast of Pentecost was an Old Testament uh, feast. It was a harvest Thanksgiving festival, really which the Jews came for a one-day event to Jerusalem to celebrate the blessing of the wheat harvest. And so here were all these Jews from many nations uh, in the known world gathered together in Jerusalem to praise God for the harvest thanksgiving. But this was to be proved an even far greater harvest of souls, not just of thanksgiving for the material harvest. As I said, the 120 disciples were there waiting waiting in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps they were waiting there, still locked in because of fear of the authorities. It was just another day for them, another day of waiting, another day of praying. But as we realise from our account today, it became a dramatic, a supernatural, a wondrous event, a miraculous event, because the promise of the Holy Spirit came to them. It came in two signs. It says that the house was filled with a blowing of a violent wind as they were gathered there in one place. A great noise, a violent wind came as a display of God's presence and God's power. Because you see, in the Old Testament, God showed his power and appeared in the form of a strong wind. Ezekiel 13, 13 says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, In my wrath I will unleash a violent wind. So tongues of fire came and separated on these disciples and rested on each of them. But also it was, as I said, an appearance of God. In Exodus chapter 19, we read how it came in fire. And in the day of Pentecost, it came in fire. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Fire was a symbol of purity, 
of refining, like a piece of impure gold is put in a hot furnace and it is smelted until the liquid pours out. And the liquid that pours out and solidifies is the real, genuine, pure gold. John the Baptist spoke about Jesus coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So fire and the Holy Spirit, the symbols of power and of purity, are here put together in the day of Pentecost. In the early church which was suffering, James and Peter both spoke about Christians being tested as with fire to purify their faith. So the wind came as a dramatic symbol of power, the fire of tongues resting on the disciples were symbols of purifying, of anointing and setting them aside for the great task. These two outward symbols, fire and wind, were demonstrations of God's holy inner power and presence in the lives of the disciples as they would go out to proclaim the gospel. The result of it was our text this, after, this morning. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So God's Holy Spirit had come to dwell now in their lives with power, cleansing purity of heart and mind to go out and to serve God. In a moment now we're going to think about some other thoughts that come from this passage. Our first thought of the four thoughts we have from this passage uh, this morning it's a promise kept, a promise kept. Remember how Jesus had said that they were to not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which he will heard him speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus had made a promise. God the Father had made a promise to send the gift of the Holy Spirit to the disciples who had become the apostles. Before his death, Jesus Christ had spoken several times to the disciples on the evening before he died. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus, having taught them, then says, all this I have spoken to you because the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsel will not come to you. So the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is a promise kept by God the Father and by Jesus Christ. You see, God always keeps his promises to us and his word is full of promises. And he promised the disciples they wouldn't be left as orphans, they wouldn't be left alone, they would be given a counsellor, a guide, the spirit of truth who would enable them to teach the truth of the gospel. And Jesus promised them this with the great words, I am with you always to the end of the world. So Jesus came to be with them. He came to be with them in the indwelling and presence and power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, enabling them to go out and to boldly proclaim the gospel. That's why they could go out filled with the Holy Spirit to speak in other languages of the people gathered there in Jerusalem on that day. The Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost is proof of a promise kept and that hasn't changed. For any of us 
every day. God promises to be with us. He comes to live in our lives. When we turn to Christ, become Christians, he will give us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, to remind us of Jesus' teachings as he did to the apostles and to enable us to live the Christian life each and every day. So our first thought is that the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is a promise kept. <coughs> the second thought we find in our passage is transformed lives. Verses 4 and 5 we read, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And then Peter, in verse 14, speaks in response to the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain carefully to you this day what I say. So you see, the disciples were no longer locked away in the upper room for fear of the authorities. The Holy Spirit had descended upon them in power. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were giving boldness, a spirit of power to go out and to preach the gospel to all the people who were gathered together in Jerusalem from all these nations around. But the key thing is that they were transformed lives. Particularly Peter, this was a man with a transformed life. Yes, Jesus had forgiven him at the end of John's gospel and given him a job to do, to go out and tend the sheep and feed the lambs. But here, Peter, who always had been the spokesman, the one who was impetuous and always, as in a sense, engaged his mouth before he used his brain. Remember how he had said to Jesus, I'll die with you, I'll never deny you. And what happened within a few hours of him making that statement, he denied Jesus three times. He deserted Jesus. But here now was evidence of the Holy Spirit coming to live in Peter's life. He was a transformed man. He no longer was full of fear. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of boldness to go out and to preach the gospel. And in a few moments we'll be thinking about this great passage, this great sermon that Peter preached on that first Pentecost to the disciples. And we know what the result of it was, the movement of God's Holy Spirit and speaking through Peter. We know 3,000 people were converted as they listened to the spoken word as they listened to the gospel, God's Holy Spirit spoke to the people and their lives were transformed. We'll think about that in a few moments as well. So when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and speaks to us, and every time you know you read the Bible, every time you hear God's word read, that's God the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Are your ears, not your outward ears, but our inward ears, open to listen to what God's Holy Spirit says to you. I wonder when you sit down to read the Bible, do you pray that God's Holy Spirit would speak to you through it and help you to understand the truth of God's Word? When you came to church, and when we look forward to coming back to church one day, and you sit down in church, for a few moments, do you focus in prayer and asking God's Holy Spirit to speak to you through the written Word and through the preached Word? God's Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to come and live in your lives and he wants to transform your lives. You see, Paul in Romans chapter 12 said about the person who commits their life to Christ, the Christian, 
that they be transformed by the renewing of their minds. In other words, that come and let God's Holy Spirit work in your life, changing your thought patterns, changing your character, changing your attitude, and changing your behavior. God wants to come into your life to change you, fashion you, and make you into his new creation. Rather like the potter working the clay, he fashions and works at it to its perfect and its right. Then it can be put in the kiln and fired. Or the carpenter working at a piece of wood, carving something out of it. He works and chisels at it until he has exactly what he wants before he can sand it down and then varnish it and have a finished product. And you know, God's transforming power in our lives when we trust in Christ begins the moment we commit our lives to Christ, but it continues until the day of completion, Paul says, when Christ calls us away from this world or Christ will return. So God wants to transform your lives to make them into the image and nature of Jesus Christ because sin marred our image of God in us. God, we are told in scripture, made man in his own image, but sin marred that image. Yes, there are certain qualities and natures of God that come through in people's lives, but there are wrong things, there are bad things that come out, and that's sin, the marred and distorted image of God. And so God wants to come and transform our lives by his Holy Spirit and to make us into what he wants us to be and we can be a finished, perfect product one day in heaven. We come across the crowd in our third thought from our passage this morning. It tells us how there were people from staying in Jerusalem who are from all the nations around. God-fearing Jesus says, from every nation under heaven. They heard the sound of this rushing mighty wind. They are bewildered. They're confused. They couldn't understand it. It says they were utterly amazed because after all they realized these men were from Galilee and here they were speaking in all the native languages of all the Jews gathered together from all the various parts around the world for this feast of the Pentecost. They couldn't understand it. Modern day Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Egypt, Rome, Crete and Arabia. People from all these nations were gathered together. Of course, they jested and made a laugh and said, well, they must be drunk. But then somebody said, but it can't be so because the pubs aren't open yet. And Peter, of course, we know, stands up and makes a response to the curiosity of the crowd at the stage. We read in Genesis chapter 11 how this event at Pentecost had been a reversal of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 the people decided to build a great tower. It's called the Tower of Babel. And here at the Tower of Babel, they wanted to build it towards heaven. To get to heaven, they thought, they were undermining God's sovereign power and God's authority. And they weren't going to worship God. They were going to worship this tower that they'd built, a man-made idol. So God was angry with them for what they had done because they had rebelled against his sovereign rule and authority. So he caused confusion to come down among the people. And so they began to speak different languages and at the time they couldn't understand each other. It was the punishment for what they'd done wrong against God. And were scattered, it says in Genesis chapter 11, all over the earth 
But here was Babel being reversed. Here were these people speaking different languages from all these other nations around the world, gathered together to worship God in Jerusalem. And God uses his Holy Spirit through the apostles to speak the gospel to these people, gathered from all these nations from all around the world. They were amazed at them speaking in their own native languages. Because you see, God was now beginning to fulfill his plan for the salvation of all the world. How would the gospel go into all the world unless the disciples could speak the gospel on that day to the people with the various tongues and languages? How can the gospel go today? Because people can have the ability to learn other languages and go out and speak the gospel to people in other languages. And so the important thing was that this curious crowd were now being presented with the gospel. Their confusion and their questioning was now being answered by Peter because here was the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Here was the first opportunity of the disciples to go out and to speak to this crowd and to address them and bring the good news of the gospel. But also, as I say, the, these uh, crowd had been curious, but Peter explained it also from the prophecy of Joel. He explained to them that this was something God had promised. And he also explained to them that it was something that King David had also experienced and known God's promise that the Messiah would come for all the world. This Messiah who would come as his descendant, an eternal descendant. And so the gospel was clearly be preached to everybody. So the crowd who were curious were addressed by Peter. All the nations were addressed by Peter who were gathered there. It was a fulfillment of God's prophecy that all the nations would have the Holy Spirit poured about them. All the nations would hear the gospel. And so this crowd was to hear the gospel clearly presented to them about who Jesus was, why he came, and what he did for them. Peter says these words to the crowd. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so this crowd, curious as they were, were presented with the gospel by Jesus, by Peter on that day. He were told about Jesus, who he was, why it came, how God had raised him from the dead and how they were witnesses of this fact. So this crowd, curious as they were, were presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ by Peter on that day. Our next thought from this passage is that the events of Pentecost were a prophecy fulfilled. Joel, uh, in chapter 2, in verse 28 to 32, had spoken about 
the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit, and it will be upon all people. Everybody would receive the Holy Spirit and an ability to speak his word and live out. The Holy Spirit will come to dwell in all people. No longer would it be just for certain people or for certain events or reasons. You see, in the past, God's Holy Spirit had come on people like the prophets, for example, Ezekiel. God, as God spoke to me, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard him behind me, a loud rumbling sound, as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. The Spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in anger with my spirit, with the strong hand of the Lord on me. God often gave prophets like, Isaiah, uh, like Ezekiel visions to present a message to the people of Israel. But God's Holy Spirit will come particularly on people like Ezekiel so that they could uh, proclaim God's message. So as I say, it came on individuals, not on everybody, but individuals like the prophets. For example, even in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, read about how Simeon uh, had been in the temple each day worshipping and praising God. We read, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took in his arms and praised God. What do we read? God had given the Holy Spirit into Simeon's life. He was a devout, righteous, a godly, upright man. And he'd been told by God's Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die until he met Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus Christ came as a little baby into the temple in Jerusalem by his parents, according to the Jewish custom of the law, an ordinary baby, Simeon, I'm sure, thought, but here, once he took the baby in his arms, God said by the Holy Spirit, this is the Messiah. So that's what I want to illustrate, the fact that the Holy Spirit came into people, particularly people, for some important reasons. But then Ezekiel was also able to look forward, like Joel did, to one day God's Holy Spirit coming and being poured into people's lives to transform and change them as he did on the day of Pentecost to the first disciples who went out to be the first apostles and how he transforms our lives ever since. Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel speaking to the people of Israel, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit on you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So you see, God's Holy Spirit came into the lives of the people of Israel to change their lives, to transform them from hardened, cold lives, distant from God, to serve the true and living God. And that same Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives today, to transform us, to change us, 
to change our hearts and our lives and attitudes. So this thought is that this was a prophecy fulfilled, a prophecy by Joel. He will pour out my spirit on all people. Pentecost is a fulfillment of that prophecy. The final thought I want to share this morning from this passage is again about the crowd. I said earlier about the crowd were curious. Peter had answered their curiosity, but then they were a converted crowd. We read in verses 37 onwards, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children for all who are cut off from God. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It says they were cut to the heart. This is the proof of the work of God's Holy Spirit in the crowd who had been curious. They had listened to the gospel being preached to them by Peter and God's Holy Spirit had been working their lives, convicting of sin, of righteousness and of judgment as is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so they asked the question, what shall we do? It's a very valid question we all need to ask in the light of our sin and of our need of our salvation in Jesus Christ. What shall we do? Repent. Repent means change of direction, change of character, change of attitude, change of behavior. So they will repent, turn away from their sins and turn to God. Because when we have sinned, we are walking away from God. To repent means change, turn around and walk towards God again. If they repented of their sins, then they would be receive forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ through Christ's finished work on the cross and our repentance and confession of our sins, we receive forgiveness of sins in and through the name of Jesus Christ. And he said it was for everyone, every person who comes to Christ, regardless of who they are, what they are, can receive God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. So they would repent. Once they would repent, they would receive forgiveness of sins and then they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit who had been convicting of their sin now had led them to repentance and that Holy Spirit would come and live in their lives. So when we repent of our sins, when we confess them and turn to Christ, admit them and receive his forgiveness of our sins, then God's Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives to guide us into truth, to understand the teaching and truth of God's word and to enable us to live it out in our lives each and every day. So we are called to come and do so. Joel had said that everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice everyone, just as God's Holy Spirit will be poured on all people. So everyone, that's you and me personally. If you take the word everyone out of that last verse of Joel, chapter uh, 2 and put in your own person name. Everyone, that's your name, will be saved. And everyone who repents, if you repent of your sins, then you will be receive forgiveness of your sins. Jesus had said that everyone who believes in him uh, would have eternal life. 
John chapter 3 and verse 16. And later in verse 36, he said, Everyone who believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects his Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. The basic bottom line in truth is that if we believe or trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins, if we repent of them, if we confess them, if we turn to Christ and accept him as Lord and Saviour, if we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, convicting of our sin and of righteousness and of judgment, then we will receive that forgiveness. It is we ourselves who ignore the call and claims of Christ and the voice of the Holy Spirit who stand condemned and face of God's judgment one day. So the important thing for us to do today is that we are to repent, confess our sins, we will receive them and receive the Holy Spirit. Peter went on to persuade them and to warn them about the evil in the world and the wrong in the world and of what they were facing. And it says that those who accepted his message and showed it by the outward symbol of being baptised were 3,000 people. Massive church growth took place on the first day of Pentecost. And what was it down to? It was down to the Holy Spirit, the promised gift of the God the Father, coming down on the apostles, of them going out and boldly proclaiming the gospel of God's Holy Spirit working through these transformed men to convict people of their sin and of them being converted. And that's what God's Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in my life. The account of the first Pentecost are not just for a one-off event. They're for a daily, not as dramatic as on the first Pentecost, but quietly, every time God's Holy Spirit speaks to you, every day, through the circumstance of life perhaps, but primarily and principally through his written and through his preached word, God's Holy Spirit speaks to you today. The question is, are we listening? With our inner ears, are we listening to the voice of God's Holy Spirit? Because remember, we are sinners in God's sight. We're not made right with God by our own efforts. And one day we will stand in the judgment before Christ. What we've done with Christ, what we've done for Christ. So the question today is, are you listening God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. If you have and if you've responded, are you continually being filled and asking God's Holy Spirit to fill you every day to understand the teaching of God's Word, its truth? Are you being, allowing the Holy Spirit to enable you to go out and live that truth by your character, your attitudes and your behaviour? to the world around you, which needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And it can only hear about him through you and by you allowing God's Holy Spirit to come and live in your life if you are a Christian and developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, patience, gentleness, self-control. God's Holy Spirit wants to make the nature of Christ in you. So God's Holy Spirit spoke on that day of Pentecost. He still speaks, as I've already said, still speaks to you and to me today. Are we listening? Are we responding to what God is saying to us through his Holy Spirit? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit and for his coming. We thank you that he is the eternal Holy Spirit present at creation and 
working through individuals down through the pages of history and working today in everyone's life, convicting of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you have sent that Holy Spirit, that gift, that we would listen to the Holy Spirit calling us to faith and trust and repentance in Christ. And having responded, may we continue to be obedient to the prompting and guidance on the voice of your Holy Spirit, calling us to a deeper and closer relationship to you in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.